abiding in the word and that word being quickened in us. It's word being quickened in us. In other words, the word quickened is made alive. It's word make us alive. The title of the sermon this morning is Getting Through to God. Getting Through to God. You notice that it seems like it's a one-way thing getting through to God and not God getting through to us because God has his face turned toward a lot of us and you know what we learn as we grew up or whatever but as some of the teachings entitled this week on prayer we're saying what we're praying for what we're praying to about prayer and it I'm kind of in a repentant state and confessing to the Lord that I'm, I'm pro- part of the problem with my children and I don't want to make excuses or blame anyone else or whatever because of misunderstanding of prayer. And we all, I think we're laboring under a misillusion, a misunderstanding of prayer and about prayer, and it's not enough taught on prayer, which should be a fundamental doctrine of the church. I know it's one of the most sacred, one of the most important things that we can do, is that is communicate with God. This morning I want to kind of touch upon that a little bit, getting through to God. And sometime I was talking about the corrosion and maybe a battery cable or some kind of electrical connection that is attached to the power source and you have to take those cables off sometime and clean the cables and have a battery cleaner or something and if you're not careful with different kind of weather conditions and things they set up corrosion in those cables and you may have to replace the cable because the battery is powerful enough to crank the car and do its job. Yes. It's just the connections getting through. The, the engine, everything else is already just right there where they connect that. Getting through there disjoints the whole thing. Yes. And that's, that's what I want to look at. Getting through to God this morning from the 59th chapter of Isaiah, where God makes a statement. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. <clears throat> the problem is not with the source of the power, the problem is not with God, but the problem is with us. We can't get through to him because of something we're doing. It's a lack of work on our end. And we're not saved by works, but we have to have faith to communicate with God because that's the way he established it, that a seed of faith, that we have to have faith, and faith cometh by hearing the word of God. And that, that's where we might have made a mistake at is that we're not in the churches, we're not to where we hear the word of God. So how can we have faith? How can that faith be increased in us if we're not 
hearing the word of God. If faith cometh by hearing, and that is hearing the word of God, because it's the word of God that I said a while ago quickens us. It makes us alive. Makes us alive. In the old days, the trucks and cars had what they call a generator. A generator. And now they have alternators. And I don't know much about electrical cars and the cars and things today. But that power source, that generator, and that alternator was there also as a starting a mechanism to help the engine empower a go along, not the mechanics, but the electrical part. So there's many components to a car and driving an engine and electrical sources. But we're talking about a key component here that, <clears throat> how can I say this, the analytics of, of, of it is very essential, but overlooking them, it can stop the whole car in its tracks. They have it now to where if it loses the cable connection, if that connection powers down or something happens, the whole car shuts off. Even when, while driving, that car shuts off if that cable comes off. Used to be the older days they had it to where you can run a vehicle without a battery in it once the car gets started. I think that's what our lives are like, some of us, our lives. And it's due to age and miscommunications and not being fully connected to God to understand God that a lot, a lot, a lot of our lives, we get started. God starts our lives. But we try to live that life without being connected to God. We lead, try to live that life independent of God. And we all have went astray. We have all went a, <clears throat> our own way by being powered by our knowledge, our thoughts, our ways. Yes. And, and we have to have that way of thinking broken because we have a bad connection. And that connection could be detrimental to our lives. So I don't know how <clears throat> organized this sermon's going to be this morning because, like I said, it's been this week I've been kind of discombobulated in this thing about prayer because, you know, my mother liked it, prayer. A lot of people love to talk about prayer but may not understand prayer. How many times have you heard that? God hears prayer and that if you pray to God and about praying and in situations, it's a lot of people that pray to God that in especially in desperate situations or situations, they find themselves engulfed in yeah. and they find themselves in some extreme medical condition or some kind of catastrophic event has happened at home or on the job or somewhere and they pray to God. Not knowing God designed us in a, in a way, in such a, a way that internally he had put it to where we have to worship something. We need something to worship. <clears throat> now that design, that intricate design, only God, and that's why we have to go to him to get an understanding, to get a sense of direction. It's because, I, I don't know, maybe in some of us, that mechanism goes haywire 
where we worship self. We worship other things. We worship the creation. That's why uh, one of the famous preachers or theologians says that our hearts is an idol factory. It's an idol factory. It creates many idols. We don't think anything of it, of the American idol or talking about idols in Children, jobs, material things, all these things can fast become an idol in our lives because we don't realize the defect that's in us, that we're flawed, we're depraved creations. And that, you know, when God made man, said, let us make man in our image and our likeness, with that image of God, that image of worship in us. You remember what I told you, uh, image is a likeness, a, a characteristic of. He designed us that we should worship. Yes. Yes. He designed us about worship. And so if we don't worship God, and was it Shirley Caesar sung a song about you got to serve someone. If you don't serve God, you can serve the devil. And that's the thing about it. We only we have two choices, and they're not really a choice. And unless we get some understanding, is that we're connected to a bad source when we come into life, and that God has to disconnect us from that source and hook us up to His connection. Yes. Uh-huh. So man is designed to worship, and in the Bible, prayer is worship that includes all the attitudes of human spirit in its approach to God, in that when we were vanquished from the Garden of Eden, we lost a spiritual connection to God. Man physically continued to live. Man physically continued to hammer out a way of life that was full of toil and earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Aren't you kind of tired of that way of life? Aren't you kind of tired of doing that and that's when God starts to work on you. That's why I say I've been kind of discombobulated this week as to being not connected to God like I should be and getting reconnected. And the first thing of a prayer and it's a thing that I wanted to go through here, acronym of prayer that people had set up and that you can find in the Bible, one of them is the remembering prayer is Acts, the Acts method, like the, the book Acts. If any of y'all ever heard of the Acts method of prayer, to keep prayer at the top of our agenda? Because something, prayer is just not built into us, even though our parents or people tell us to pray to God or whatever. We're not... I went over in Bible study about some of the requisites or prerequisites of prayer to be able to pray because we can't just pray to God after going back, studying and reading the Bible. We find that scripture there where it says God heareth not the prayers of a sinner. So that, that presents a problem there. We believing the word of God and faith coming by hearing the word of God. And those of us that the word of God is being enacting and quickening in our lives, 
we start seeing that now we have a problem here that we have to plead to God because we we, we just not built right and that we have to be recreated again. There's a regeneration that's necessary to take place. So in remembering of prayer and we wake up and we pray daily, do you wake up and start your day off with prayer? Here's an acronym. Adoration. We start our prayer off with adoration, coming before God. The first words of that prayer for us that are children of God. Everybody can't pray that prayer. And if you start looking at prayer, you start hearing a lot of preachers and teachers telling that our father prayers are form prayer. And, and churches really, most people that are, are in church and know about that, that's not for all people. And that's a form prayer. But the prayer should start off with adoration to God, praying our Father. Jesus was the one that told us when we pray, pray to the Father. My mother told me, you have to pray to God. God is a family. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we pray to God the Father in Jesus' name, and the Spirit is that catalyst in there. That can bring reality, can bring things to that prayer. So one of the things we want to remember is come before God with adoration. Yes. Praise our Father. We, we, a prayer is a plead. When you go to court, you pray to that. There's a, a legal term, the word pray. In other words, a plead. The judge first asks you, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? Yes. We're guilty. We have an attorney by our side. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father who has cleared us of all those sins and things. But we have to have a relationship with that advocate. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So our prayer should have adoration in it, a good bit of adoration in our prayer. Now, there's two different acronyms I can give you to, to, this, to think about when prayer, praying and to keep your prayer helping organized. But you want to come before God and acknowledge God for who he is. And one of those acronyms is ACTS. The other acronym is, is, goes along that same line but it contains the very word of the thing we're doing is pray. We're praying. Let's remember, pray that word, plead. We're pleading to God. We're petitioning God. We come to God with a plea. So it's, we go praise God. We come before him with praise. That's the P that praise. And the other one with acts is adoration. We adore God. And, and that's what I say. Prayer is a form of worship. Prayer is worship, and we should worship God in spirit and in truth. And a lot of us don't come so truthfully before God as the Pharisees came before God and prayed to himself because he came building himself up. He came not adoring God for who God was and praising God for waking him up that morning, for giving him all he had been doing and praising God. The other letter in that acts profession is confession. Confession. 
we must confess our sin. It says he, if we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us of our sin. But he who covered his sin shall not prosper. So we must confess to the Lord that we are wrong, that we have a problem here, and that we need him to get that thing straightened out. The advocate is the one who pleads and says, well, Father, he's a sinner. He had acknowledged that he's in my word. He's following me. I'm pleading his cause. We have an advocate. I took his sin. It was laid upon me. Since he's following my word and continuing in my word, he's a faithful disciple of mine. In that confession, we acknowledge that we're a sinner. See, that's what the publican did. He acknowledged that he was a sinner. That's the C in the ACTS acronym, but the R in the PRAY acronym would be repentance. We have to turn away from our sin. Yes. We have yes. to realize that we're a sinner. And before regeneration could occur, we have to have our sins remitted or removal of sin. We have to learn to forgive. And that's why a lot of us can't pray because we don't have forgiveness. We don't forgive others. As others forgive us, it says as we are forgive others, it's the same way God would forgive us as we forgive others. See, because the man went to the king and pleaded to the king that he had such enormous debt, debt and that if the king would forgive him, that he would repay that debt. But you see, as wasn't there for him because he went out from the king's presence and how many of us know that whatever we're doing in the world and we come into the church and plead and pray before God, that ain't going to work if we're not doing it in the world. That's where these people was in the book of Isaiah. They, was, they knew all of the action. It's a lot of church members the same as Isaiah was. The people in Isaiah's time is that they had a form of godliness. And they was denying the power. The way they would deny the power, they wasn't living what they were praying. They, they honored him with their mouths, but their hearts were way away from God. You know, you, you can't come before God and plead to God with dirty hands. And he said, there's blood on your hands. He says, your hands are full of blood. And you see, to church people, you think of a murderer and you think of other things, but a lot of them are not thinking about lying and cheating and stealing and oppression and all of the sins that your heart should convict you of. That's because they have callous hearts. They have hard hearts. That's why God had turned his ear away from these people. That's why I say, well, when my mother and people were telling me to pray to God or whatever, God's not hearing our prayers. We're coming before him with blood on our hands. We're coming to him with an unrepentant life. No wonder a lot of us hadn't received of the Spirit. No wonder we ain't getting through to God because we're doing all of these things. And he says, if you have art against your brother, don't bring an offering to the altar. Don't come to the altar. You go right, get right with your brother first. You see, that's why we need the word of God because the word of God 
convicts us of sin, the spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us. That's why he gives us his spirit. That's why we must necessarily hear the preaching of God's word. That's the good news. It tells us of the coming kingdom of God that we have been reconciled unto God. There is a way, there's an approach that we can go boldly before the throne of God and access the promises of God. We can then again become sons of God and petition the Father in Jesus' name and have that which we ask for. But there are many of prerequisites to that. And that, that was the problem. The preachers was the problem. The leaders was the problem. Sometimes your parents may be the problem, your friends or relatives. The problem is people giving you misinformation. That's very dangerous in this day and age because we have so much on social media and the Internet and all types of ways. We have so many voices listening to. And God tells him, he says, Ezekiel, he told Jeremiah, he's told all the prophets, any preacher, any messenger of God cries and warns them and tells them of their transgression. And that's the problem. It's a lack of hearing the word nowadays. You don't beat your children, you spare the rod. And I was telling you about, if you don't bend the sap while he's young, see, that's my problem now. I can't get through to some of my sons and daughters because you can't tell them nothing. They're grown. That was Adam's problem. He was born grown. God created Adam as a man. So Adam went astray. And see, nowadays you can't tell your children nothing. They're moved. They didn't move off. They're men and women now. They have to have the respect and the adoration to honor their parent just as we should honor God, give him the adoration and respect as our father. It says, don't don't turn against the instructions of your mother and your father. The book of Proverbs tells you that that's what wisdom is. And then wisdom says, you will come crying unto me. And when you cry unto me, I will not hear. I can't hear because, see, God is bound by his word. That's one way to definitely get a refusal or unanswer to your prayer is to go against God's word. God's word is immutable. It's unchangeable. That's why the people said they thought they could trap Daniel because it had to be by God's word. That's what Balaam knew, that the people of God wasn't cursed. God had blessed, but they could entangle themselves up themselves. And he says, through sexual immorality, they were human. They loved it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If I could appeal to them through one of those portals, I can clog, I can corrupt the line to where tomorrow they could worship before me in the church and they could bring their God in the church with them. Yes. <laughs> Afternoon services, they go bring that big one-eyed monster in there. You can watch the Super Bowl right here at church. You don't have to miss church. But God says you have to make a decision. You choose one or the other. There's a lot of church could choose church times designed around the Super Bowl. They don't feel God could compete against the Super Bowl. It's a many of people that drop out of church during football season because their favorite gods are playing on certain Saturdays and Sundays. You can't miss that. You see, that's why we can't get through to God. God says 
He should be first. He has to be first. There should have no other God before you. He's a jealous God. And God knows when you're in that condition. See, because we become like we are today, an unthankful generation. People are very unthankful. That, that's the biggest things with them. They're very unthankful. They're ungrateful. They have so many, and especially at this time, they have so many conveniences, so many material things, and God had told them about Jeshron had waxed fat. When you get too many things, as the Laodicean had all types of material wealth, they forget about God because they think they pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. That's the analogy that has the Americans so crossed. You're not going to build back America to make America great again. America has to fall. As I look and I look within the nation, I see it has to fall. The attitude, the disposition of it. It has to be torn down brick by brick. Individual by individual because some of these things is grounded on. It's fixed and fitted in. That character is fixed and fitted in. It wasn't a prayer that was going to save Judas Iscariot. We didn't see Jesus pleading with the Pharisees and trying to get them straight. A goat is a goat. You can't turn a goat into a sheep. There's the seed of the devil and there's the seed of God. So we got a problem there. And one thing about God's people, they're thankful. They learn to be thanks. We give thanks in all things. So one, the A, A is adoration, the C is confession, the T is thanksgiving, and the S is supplication. Supplication needs to be made, and that's petition. I will supply. What do you need? You need to come before God and ask for what you need because that's the mechanism he designed is that what we desire we desire in prayer, and our desires has to be his desires. It has to line up with the word of God. That's how we receive the petition that we have need of because it's in Jesus' name. It's for the sake of the church. It's not to consume it upon our own lusts. He said you ask not and you receive not because you ask it on your own lusts. No, we didn't got to the point to decide that you go pray at the Super Bowl. That's a lot of things where people say that they praying and everything. Why are you praying? God's going to choose this team, the Chiefs, over the 49ers? That seemed like a personal matter. Yes. Like the guy was saying, it was at the game that went to game and they was going to pray. I say, you pray that this team win or pray to that team win. The guy said, let's just leave God out of this matter. Now, he examined that. When he said leave God out of this matter, he didn't mean that God's presence wasn't there because hopefully God's presence, and we acknowledge and know God's presence is everywhere and that God is an impartial God and he don't choose sides. So he loved the Chiefs as well as he loved the 49ers, and that's what didn't happen to sports. That's why I don't even have an inkling to watch the game no more. I don't watch Super Bowls anymore. I used to run after Super Bowls. I used to run after that kind of stuff. But we made too much of it. We worshiped the quarterbacks. We worshiped the courts. We worshiped the game. We worshiped the food that we're eating. There's going to be tons of dollars spent, billions of dollars spent wagering and betting on the game tomorrow 
and it's going to be just like the one last year. After it's over with, who won? What happened? Who was the champions of that year? It's all about vanity and vexation of spirit. It's not about sportsmanship. That's why I stopped watching boxing. I stopped watching all sports or whatever because it used to be they would shake hands or whatever. Even if it was a hard-fought fight, man, you fought a good fight. and all, You know, it, it was the camaraderie had characteristics. Each one of them had character, but we don't teach sportsman conduct. We don't shake hands. and We sulk when we lose. Just like our president, if you lose, you go fight. You go overturn these things. That's not very good character. People say you are so a loser, you can't accept the outcome of these things or whatever. Whatever the game is, they should meet at center field and say it was a good game. We played it, and I enjoyed it. I, now, I enjoy a good football game because of the camaraderie ship in the game being played. And I enjoy a game now better because I don't have a dog in that fight. I can enjoy the game. I don't care who wins, as long as it's a good game. And that's what what life comes down to. I'm against the evil one. I'm against the one that cheats. I'm against that was not like God. And see, that that's the hunger that drives me to pray because God, I see, I know my our team is not losing, but I'm looking at this from a John desire, from an evil eye to an eye that's been clouded with yellow as a child that's born with what it is, jaundice or something or whatever. There's a vitamin deficiency here. I'm deficient somewhere. I don't have God's spirit helping me to see clearly, and I need your spirit to help me see clearly. There's a misconnection in me. I need to get in contact with God. And see, that's where hearing the word of God helps me because I, I don't know what to pray for. And I was telling you this week, I think one of the sermon, the teaching tiles was who or what or how to pray, what to pray for. I'm like his disciples, you know, they had got so confused, but they was honest about it. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. Yes. Yes. So prayer is something that must be taught. Prayer is something that must be learned. That was an old saying they used to say, be careful what you ask for. You know, sometimes we come to God and ask for things in prayer. And by serving a good God, Jesus gave an illustration of a good father. He said if a good father wouldn't give his son a serpent if he asked for a fish. If he asked for bread, he wouldn't give him a stone. So how about denial in prayer? Why we don't have what we ask for? Maybe we're asking for the wrong thing, something that would hurt us. Maybe you're a diabetic and have diet problems or whatever. You're asking for some sugary loaded thing that's not good for you. God needs to put that out of your reach because you don't have any self-control, any self-restraint. You can't control yourself. So God knows that you can't eat this in moderation. It's not that you can't have it, but it's not good for you. See, there was no food that was unclean of itself. When Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples as to why he labeled some food clean and unclean, it was a precept that he was trying to teach them because food doesn't commend us to God. Mm. 
See, that's why I say we get a misunderstanding and a wrong concept, but we need God's word, uh, uh, God's word planted in us. Psalms 119 and 25, it tells us about God's word, is that we quicken God's word. It says, my soul cleave it unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. The Amplified says, my earthly life clings to the dust. Revive and refresh me according to your word. Yes, Lord. Living says, I'm completely discouraged and I lie in dust. Revive me by your word. It has to be God's word spoken to us because God's word also condemned us. He says, from dust you came to dust you shall return. So that's my destination. If your word is not in me, if you don't put your word in me, and how can a man cleanse his way? By hiding the word of God in his heart. That's why it says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. So the word is necessarily important, and he quickens us according to his word. Now that word, according to his word, it has to be, in the way God's word was given to us. And that word, that's why we faithfully assemble ourselves together because God's word is full of instructions. That is doctrine. Doctrine instructs, it teaches us. But we have some kind of miscrewed doctrine and we hypocritical. We are a hypocritical nation. We do all these things and we come and pray to God praying and fasting and God's not hearing our praying and fasting because he's turned our face away from us because we didn't got too smart for ourselves. We got too big for our britches. We think we can live any kind of way, do any kind of thing, do people all kinds of ways and then come and pray before God. God says, you thought I was just like you are. So you didn't create a God in your image. That's what didn't happen into America. That's why a lot of people are turning their backs on Christianity. Because they say, if this the God that you serve, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. Now you see, those people are damning themselves because you didn't got too smart for your britches to say, look, I don't know. I, I don't understand this or whatever. But the faith in me said there's a God out there. Yes. There's a God that serves, but you don't serve that God. Or you you explaining that God wrong, you see, because maybe your preacher is a false preacher, a false teacher. Maybe he has the word of God and don't know how to use it. Mm, yes, see, that, that's the thing about it. Maybe he's telling you wrong. You see, there's a many a teacher and preacher out there that's been transformed into angels of light. And you feel that you have to pray out of the window toward Jerusalem to God. There's a lot of people talking about we'll be getting on planes going over to Jerusalem to worship God and about Jerusalem. It's no more holier ground than the ground over here. When they say the new Jerusalem coming down, that means the whole earth would be full of the knowledge of God. The whole earth, all of the earth would be holy because that's why he, what he created, a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. Yes. You see, you didn't got tied up and you wanted the ones that would murder and kill and think that you're doing it in the name of God. And you, you got a misunderstanding of who God is and what God is. Yes. Yes. That's your problem. 
You see, that's what Israel's problem is. That's what Israel's problem is right now over there murdering the Palestinians and carrying out things. You can't vanquish evil. Evil is here. God left evil here as a proving and a testing ground for us that we depended upon him, that by his word, we don't fret ourselves because of evildoers for they shall soon be cut off. We believe God according to his word and by his word. It's by his spirit. It's not by might nor power that this shall be accomplished. That's what the woman told God. What she told Jesus Christ. Let's go back to that woman that Jesus met. You know, because the Jews thought they had a lock on God. They had a lock on God, and it's a lot of us think, as I was saying about the Super Bowl and all that, that God's there, one team God's pulling for, and he's against the other team. We didn't brought God into the secular realm to God's like us. Don't do that. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus replied, there's a time coming, ma'am, when we will no longer be concerned about whether to worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. For it's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. How we worship. Is our worship spiritual, and is it real? Is it by faith? Do we have the Holy Spirit to help us? For God is a spirit, and we must have his help. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit must guide us and lead us into worship. Worship is an important thing. It's how you worship and the way you worship. Mm. So it's not where you worship. That's why it says pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. You don't have to get to some favorite spot and go in the woods and see some white cow or some place or whatever. He says, even enter into your prayer closet and pray. You don't need distractions. A lot lot of people wondered why you had to have your eyes closed. It's not necessarily to have your eyes closed, but a lot of times people close their eyes or whatever to prevent distractions. You know, like I say, prayer is sacred and prayer is so powerful that Satan's going to try to distract you while you talking to God. That's important. I'm on the phone with God. Don't interrupt me. When you're on the phone with God, do you turn your phone off so won't nobody call, not worried about, well, this might be important. It's nothing more important than talking to God. Yes. So you talking to God and you go stop to talk to somebody else. We need to prevent as many distractions as possible. Yes. That's why doing corporate prayer, when the church is together, they come in and they sometimes they pray in with their eyes closed instead of looking around and see who's raising their hand and see what kind of problems that when the pastor said that to pray for him for this or pray for that, now you got something to gossip about or whatever. How many times have you got down to pray and then that's when the devil sends all kinds of weird things through your mind and through your heart? I keep telling you about that show, Evil, that's on. And there's a priest on there that guys that trying to become a priest or whatever. And each time he get down to pray or something or do something, he has sexual thoughts and things about one of his co-workers. You see, Satan's going to send things to your mind and thoughts. And they tell us that we can't stop him from sending those thoughts, but we can't we can keep him from building a nest there. See, because the word of God, that's part of the armor 
It says, put on the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation. That helmet of salvation, it says, bringing every thought into captivity in obedience of Jesus Christ. We need God to help us to pull down the strongholds of our life and loosen the cords of sin that so easily binds us. Because that's binding because Jesus came and he made that prayer so intricate See, you used to might have couldn't have been deal with Moses because he says he who committed adultery, he shall be stoned to kill. Yes. But then Jesus Christ says, you didn't commit adultery already if you're looking after a woman to lust after her. Yes. Now, see, it goes from doing the necessary action to thinking it, mm. the thoughts of sin. That's why God says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts and my ways are not like your ways. That's why I said we have a problem with our minds. We need the mind of Christ Jesus. That's why it says meditate on God's word day and night so these things wouldn't be running through your mind. You know, there's so many things that could run through your mind and your heart. So you want to cast those things out of your mind. You ask God to pull down those strongholds Satan has set up in your life. You sitting in church thinking about when you get out and you got some beer at home. That you what you go eat this afternoon. You thinking of all kinds of things in your mind, not on where you at, not on who you worship it, and not on who you're praying to. So if you was praying yesterday, if you was praying all this week, that meant, as Paul said, before you drink of this cup and eat of this bread, examine yourself. And it, you and God's word, that's why you have to study God's word. You have to take God's word and read and meditate on, on it because it's going to show you what's in you. That's a mirror. It's a mirror into the soul. It tells you what manner of man you are. That's why it's hidden in your heart. It should convict you of sin. When Joseph went into Potiphar's wife, he, she tried to make him go to bed What he says, how can I do this sin and sin against God? Yes. The sin would have been against God. Mm. Now to show you how Satan works, David was a man after God's own heart. Yes. But through his idle time, through him not being careful that Satan as a roaring lion was prowling at the door, he was trying to get in. You remember it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. See, you can look your way on out of here. You know, just a little bit don't cause no problem. So you take a little nip here, take a little look here, place a little bet there and do this. But you become addicted like that. You can set up an addiction like that. Sometimes you need to cut it off. Jesus says it's better to cut your arm off if it's going to drag you into sin. It's better to pluck your eye out. See, because it's a strange thing about the human body. It builds up addictions. You can build up addiction to medication, taking that medicine or whatever. After a few months, a year, the doctor has to make it a little bit stronger. You build up immunity to it. Your body is built. It is fearful and wonderfully made. In the same way, if we pray consistently, that's why it says cease not to pray. In all things, in prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. Nothing is too small to take to God. 
Nothing is too minute to take to God. So how do we get food to God? Is that we keep his commandment. Oh, there we go. There we go. John said that in 1 John. Here we go. How do we get through to God? That's what Satan was trying to stop you. We're honoring God. We're praying God. We're examining ourselves and doing all this. Yes. Now what we have to do is find out where, how, how can we build up confidence. There's a certain hope that God implants in his children. Yes. And I told you, he's our hope. Hope never faileth. Faith, hope, and love will never disappear. So with those two seeds in the earth, that's a hope God puts into his children, that hope until the end. What mother or father God hadn't given that hope to no matter what bad his child get or whatever, he constantly praying for him and hoping he turn around. Yes. You hoping your spouse turn around. You hope until the end. You keep hoping. People will tell you, keep hope alive. Amen. But there's faith killers. There's hope killers out there. You have to watch them. First John says, see what incredible quality of love that the Father has shown to us that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted as children of God. And so we are. We should have that confidence that we are the children of God. For he said, he who believeth on me, as the scriptures has said, he who believeth on me has eternal life. There's so many promises there. And we want to, that's what part of prayer is, is actualizing the promises of God. They no longer are promises. They are petitions that we are petitioning you according to your word. And that we know that your hand is not short, that you have salvation and you can save us. And that we will stand up on your word. Steadfast, immovable in the faith. We will grow there. He says, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, right now, we are the children of God. It may not be appear what we are, how we look, but we know right now that we are the children of God. The world might think we're strange that I don't run after the Super Bowl. I don't run after these other things. I might not be hooked on certain foods or whatever. But we know when he comes, we'll be looking like him because his character, we're drawn to his character, who he is. He didn't planted it into us that we want to be in his image and his likeness. We idolize him. We worship him. We adore him. We praise him and we thank him and we joint heirs with him. He's in the process of doing something to us. And all of us that have that hope, we purify ourselves. Yes, now, how does this purification take place, Brother Jackson? Mm. Pastor, you didn't told me all of these things that we didn't have a proper connection, that we wouldn't hooked up with God. And a lot of people now, they say, well, brother, I want to give you the hookup. We want to get the hookup. A lot of people want the hookup. Well, that, that our hookup is with Christ. Amen. We know that he has said these things and that he came as example and he rose from the dead with all power. Yes. All power is given unto him. Now, he told Peter and what he said to one, he said, oh, 
How would you like to have this power, Peter? That the things you say would come to pass. How would you like to have the things that you ask for? How would you like to be able to speak to your enemies because Christ could speak to his enemies. If he would speak, one man would live and the other man would die. That was all power, but it was with a mind that he didn't take pleasure in the death. He says he didn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Did he? Listen at John. He says, now this is the quality of love that the Father had permitted or shown us. That now we are the children of God. And if our heart does not convict us of guilt, we have confidence and complete assurance and boldness before God that we receive from him whatever we ask. Because our leader says, whatever we ask, the reason we don't have it, we're not asking of the Father. We're not asking God in Jesus' name. And we believe, and that's why I say where faith comes. Do you have confidence to pray for miracles? Do you have confidence to pray for those things that's not seen? See, that's the kind of faith that you need is the faith that bring these things to pass. That this world is not bigger than God, that the Super Bowl is not bigger than God. See, those things have diminished in my sight. See, God starts putting those things in the rearview mirror. He starts pulling you out of the world. Now, the world is trying to pull you back in the world, and you're going to be in worse shape after you have escaped the corruptions that is in this world, or you get entangled back in them. So you have to start being content with such that you have in knowing that you've received from God what you ask for. That's the kind of faith that you have. And why is that? Why do you receive those things? Because you keep it his commandments. Yes. We keep it his commandments and we know that God had given us dominion. He had given us authority and he had given us power. He had given us a purpose and he had given us a job to do. And whatever God gives you to do, he supplies. Yes. He's the supplier. Not me. It's not my power. Mm-mm. It's not through anything I do. And I have that hope from him. And in that hope, his word sprinkles and cleanses me. Doesn't the word have me without a spot or a blemish? Well, if I have clean hands because you're washed by the word, yes. we abide in the word. His word cleanses us of all sin. Yes. Now we can petition him because we have clean hands. We can boldly go before the throne of grace and petition the Father in Jesus' name. Yes. And we know he's going to do it. We know he's going to give us. We have the victory. We see how the book ends in Revelation. Who do the beast and the false prophet come after? In Revelation 12 and 17, it says, So the dragon was enraged with the woman. The woman is the church. He says, And he went off to wage war on the rest of her children, a seed. In other words, on that remnant that's left. In other words, on us. Those who keep and obey the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's important that you keep the testimony. It's important that you obey and keep God's word. It's very important that you keep his commandments. All of this is voluntary. But, But he says, 
What does John say, though? We keep his commandments because his commandments are not grievous on us. It takes us back to the Sabbath that we delight in the Sabbath. We delight in God because he's our rest. He doeth the work in us. It's not us that do it. It's through Jesus Christ that I can do all things. I'm resting. He's doing the work. I was heavy laden. I couldn't do anything. I was all that. He says, he that is heavy laden, he who has toiled and struggled, cast all of your cares upon me, for I care for you. Do you believe that? Yes, yes he does. Yes. We cast yes. up upon him. We rest in Jesus Christ. It's his battle. All of these things is his. He says, come unto me. Come unto me. That's what we do. We come unto Jesus Christ. That's why we struggle to try to find God. We have no solace in this world. Sometimes you try to talk to your spouse or your children. People don't understand. And you know, that's my problem now. I'm looking for somebody to understand or whatever. And I didn't give up on man. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm looking to talk to God. Now, God talks through man, but that's what Job was saying. He needed a mediator. He wanted a conversation with God. Now, see, Job was self-righteous in a certain way. Job was coming before God the wrong way. And Job was a perfect and upright man. But Job said, I thought I understand. I put my hand over my mouth because now that I didn't spoken to God, Blessings came after he spoke to God. After he got through to God, but he saw that he couldn't call God on the carpet, that you have to plead with God. You have to acknowledge who God is. You have to supplicate to God and say, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. I'm going to be obedient unto your word. That I'm going to stand right here and that I trust and believe in you. And that I shall see you for myself. With my own eyes, I shall see. He says, he that searcheth and seek for me with all of your heart, then shall you find me. You see, you got to put it all into this. You got to sacrifice yourself. You have to deny yourself. Deny yourself of this world and take up your cross and follow after him. People are going to be mad at you because they don't want you to get that immortality. They don't want you. They created a game. Uh, my children used to play that game or whatever. Mario Brothers or something. It was something that they, they can get hold to fire and all these other things, but he can die. But I think it was immortality or a certain number of lives that he could get that then he couldn't be killed. You see, that's what I'm looking for is eternal life in Jesus Christ. I won't fear death because he's taken the sting out of death. He's taken the grave, all of that away from the grave. I know one day I'll put on incorruptible. I have a continuous conversation with God. This corruptible will put on incorruption. Nothing will be able to get in between me and God then. I'll live for eternity in communication with God. See, Adam's sin separated him from God. It made God have to turn his back on. He died that day, not physically, but spiritual death. When God turns his face on you, you don't want God to turn his face. And he says, it's your sin that has did that. You realize that and confess, I've been wrong. I'm depraved. And that I need to die to self. 
and take up my cross and follow after you. So it requires submission and yielding yourself unto God. Yes. That's how you get to God. With a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Heavenly Father, as I come before you this day, Lord, 